Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is the shark. Honestly, not sure if we're going to get Taylor. He's he's finishing up some things at his grandparents' house. This might be a Willis Reed situation. I don't know if he's if he's completely out. He might reappear out of the locker room with with a little limp, messed up hamstring. So for now, we got the shark and much better audio connection from me as well. I'm no longer in a basement in Southwest Ohio, but rather back home. We're always brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week this week is Briante Weber. You remember Briante Weber, former guard from VCU. He actually had a little stint with the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if he won a title with them. He may have, but he did get some all right minutes with them. But Briante Weber, he was a problem back in his college days at VCU. He's your college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the dash barnburner.com and make sure to follow us on twitter at cbb theater you should also follow me at subi232 to find out where the feet is and as always make sure to follow taylor at taylor damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore bb let's open the curtains Shark, you and I back from the bachelor party. Wonderful job. I'm telling you, I'm putting this out there right now for every Titch listener, for every theater goer. If you need someone to plan your bachelor party, the shark is your guy. Now, you may need up to 15, 16 years of relationship building and knowing him for for him to put together what he put together for me. I mean, that's really the basis of our relationship and, and the foundation of it. But it was just terrific. It needs to be noted on a public forum what a 
marvelous job the shark really did and of course we had a great time uh, but today we're reeling a little bit and and we're at the age now shark where hangovers last a couple days they don't last a couple hours like they used to they last a couple days now and there's a lingering effect Thank you for the, uh, yeah, I mean, already kind of banged up right out of the voice right there. I've never been one to kind of play the hangover card. I've always prided myself on being able to just like mentally get over it. But having said that, there was a lot of activities, a lot of things that happened, a lot of recovery. I was in that Savannah airport for about eight hours on Sunday. Everyone talks about like, if you, if you're fans of the us, then you may like, obviously the bigger name shows like the Rosillo podcast and part of my take that did a huge life advice thing the other day. Or them and Mark Titus, they all get around and talk about things that they just, you know, have learned in their days. And they talk about one of the best things you can do at a bachelor party is be one of the first one out, but also contribute to the cleanup mission overall. And I completely agree with that. I just had to go down with the ship, like the Titanic guy on this one right here, just because, you know, I, I obviously didn't want you to be focused about it. I'm the guy that got the house. You know, I got to be the face of it. So I, I intentionally scheduled that early afternoon flight so I could really, you know, do what I had to do in the morning and get the hell up out of Savannah. And then sure enough, JetBlue starts pushing the flight back again. They change the flight on me. Next thing you know, I'm in Savannah until like 8.30 p.m. So it, it's just you know, not, not the way you want to boil it up. I would have subscribed to the life advice that I'd, uh, you know, I'd led with, at least from the, the PMT show. But um, when I got in late on Sunday and then yesterday and then having to work a full day today where people are coming back from a long weekend and needing you and complaining to you and wanting this and wanting that, I just wanted to quit my job, Father, to be totally honest with you. I just wanted to quit right on the spot. Can't do that, obviously. Got responsibilities out in this world. But I was ready to do it at one point. Uh, went for a little walk, went up on the roof deck for a minute. But more importantly, I'm glad you had a good time. Um, you know, I'm definitely not going to be doing that for a lot of people. I could probably name, a, name them on my hand, the people that I would go to the lengths for that. Uh, but you're certainly in, in, in the lead box right there. So I'm glad you had a good time. And yeah, you got to know me for at least 15 if you're ever going to get the same sort of service. Well, if you did end up quitting your job, potentially you could move into the the party planning space. I didn't envy the shark, though, on Sunday because not only was his flight delayed, he had a hassle that still might be ongoing. With it is still property. ongoing. Oh I can't God. make any statements. It may be used against me. Maybe there's titch listeners out there. They don't even know it. But yeah, we're, we're going to leave that one in the back pocket. No comments during pending litigation right now. That's fine. Just just letting the theater goers know that whenever you have an Airbnb, there's always that opportunity of the property manager of the or the owner coming back to you and saying that this wasn't left, that this book was slightly askew or this picture frame is is not level anymore. So the shark is having to deal with that. Had to deal with it obviously on Sunday, and then he got locked out when you finally got home, didn't you? You, you well, like so when you get to the doorstep, you couldn't even get into the home. No, 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 it wasn't that bad. And this one was actually totally my fault, too. I just I was home and then I just forgot the keys. I'm in this new place right now. You always got to have the keys. Wife wasn't home. So all options were kaput. Had to call in, go to the bullpen, so to speak. I had to call up an arm to let me back in. So I found a way in. It wasn't that big of a deal. I was just texting because I was bored at that point. One thing that I did want to note, like when, when I was in Savannah on Sunday, it was a good day. We were out there with the blob. I was out there with Taylor for all day. I mean, we, we found this place. If you guys are ever in Savannah, I don't want to give them a free pub, but I will because they're very hospitable. Savannah Tap House, great set of TVs. Didn't really have to work too hard. There's a guy that looked exactly like Luke Combs that hooked me up. Maybe splice in some Luke Combs right here if we can. Get a little Combs. You pick the song. All right, you pick the song. It's still your week, but we'll splice in some Combs. Um. 
This guy knew what he was doing around a TV. I walked up to him. I said, hey, man, Providence is playing Butler at one on Fox Sports 1. Bam, got it. No issues whatsoever. Didn't roll his eyes. Didn't know how to fumble around a clicker. Figured out how to get, how to get it done. Had that going on. Then we had the Michigan-Wisconsin game. I'm sure we're going to talk all about Juwan Howard in that. I will. I mean, Taylor, I, and the blob, we, we actually were ripping shots of fireball at that point. So we were actually turning it into a little bit of an afternoon, making the best out of it. But, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, eventually life comes back and hits you again, and you got to react to life's problems. Sometime over the offseason when we were just dying to fill this show with content, we spent about 20 minutes on airports, and that's your niche. That's your corner of the world because of how much you travel, how many airports you truly have been in. You spent six hours in Savannah unintentionally. You just ended up doing that. Can we get a grade and or college basketball team comparison for the Savannah airport? Yeah, and I – I did tweet this, the comparison to St. Mary's basketball program. I mean, St. Mary's, they, they run good stuff. It's got everything that you could possibly need. But at the end of the day, they're not going to really have the talent because they're St. Mary's basketball. Savannah's airport, like it had everything you needed. It had a PGA tour, nice bar to the name of the bar is the PGA tour. Bathrooms were, you know, spotless, spacious, everything that comfortable, private little stalls right there. You don't have to see anyone's feet underneath it. Nice bathroom. People working hard, stores open at the right hours for me. I know some of my buddies ran, ran into issues early in the morning. Um, it had all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like you look around and, you know, you got that one terminal that you're working with and you're working with like 20 gates. So, you know, Randy Bennett can only run a backdoor cut like five times in a game. You know what I mean? So if you're there for six hours, defense is going to pick up on that. And eventually I was picking up on it. So, you know, it's a great program, but it's just limited based off the fact that they're, you know, this fan at airport. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I liken it to maybe the first round of the NCAA tournament. The first game of the NCAA tournament is probably the equivalent of spending two two hours or so in Savannah. You might you might be lucky enough to get to the round of 16, and then after six hours or so, you're absolutely figured out. But I'm glad you did bring up life advice. Here's another piece of advice, personal advice, something that I learned. I probably should have known regardless, but get get some sleep before you exit the bachelor party before you have to make your flight. Now you can make the argument that if your flight is departing at 5 a.m., 5.30, 6am, that window, that five to 6am window, maybe you tough it out and you say, screw it. I got to leave this place. You do the math, right? I got to leave at three 30 to get to this. And if you're like me, you like getting to airports early. There's no point in playing with your food. Don't play with fire, get to the airport so that you know, you have that spot on the plane. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> my flight left at 10 a.m. And it was around 2 a.m. when I decided to say, screw it, um, I'm staying up. I, someone's listening to this like, now, what's the logic? I'm excited to hear what, what went behind the, the scenes or what was running through my brain. Nothing. It was a terrible decision. It didn't make sense then, never makes sense in any scenario that you can throw out there. So make sure you get some sleep because... We finally get home on Sunday, and I get I get back to where I was staying at. It wasn't even in, in Chicago. I was in Ohio, like I had mentioned, and I just went. I took a shower, went straight to sleep, but I missed a lot of good action in college basketball. I'm admitting that right now. The Providence-Butler game was terrific. Huge comeback by the Friars. Um, but the big thing on Sunday that everyone's clamoring about, and you know it's big when guys like Emmanuel Acho and Nick Wright 
and these national big time programs are talking about it here in February about college basketball. It's of course the Juwan Howard, Greg Gard spat. I suppose you could say it, the fight, the altercation brawl was a little bit strong. I would say when I think brawl, I think like malice in the palace, which is also extreme, but I don't know if I would constitute that as a brawl. Regardless, I slept through the entirety of that. And I woke up seeing a bunch of texts saying, Hey, did anyone catch this, this, uh, this spat here between Juwan Howard and Greg Garden? By now, you know exactly what did happen uh, between the two. But I think what's most important right now is the before and the aftermath. So I want to talk a little bit first and foremost about what led up to this. Shark, keep me honest here. Game's out of reach. Wisconsin's up like 20 with 30 seconds left, a minute to go. Juwan Howard decides to press with his starters or his A-level players, if you will, okay, his, his real rotation players. Meanwhile, Greg Gard has the scrubs in because the game's in hand, it's over. Now, the scrubs, as you can imagine, cannot break this press, and so Greg Gard decides to call a timeout, which I can appreciate, right? Like, okay, Jawan Howard, if you're going to keep your guys in and if you're going to fucking press, then I need to still just get the ball inbounds. I'm going to call a timeout. Apparently... Juwan Howard was miffed at that, and he said in the handshake line, we have audio now, some, a, great, a great camera angle right on the baseline as they were about to meet. Juwan Howard said, I'll remember that. And then, of course, we see the altercation. Shark, is there one? Let's, let's talk before now. Was there one party, was it Michigan, Wisconsin, that you find had more to do do with the buildup of this? Was it the timeout or was it pressing with your A-level players in? Good question. First of all, that was a smooth transition that you had right there because I wanted to jump in on the one point that you said about the batch part leaving early. I do want to say I disagree with you on that. I think you did the right thing staying up because how much would you give to go back in time right now to be able to relive some moments of that weekend? Even if there's meandering topics going on that you don't necessarily appreciate, you'd love to be doing that than whatever the hell you were doing this morning at work. So you got to squeeze every little drop out of it. Tubby, you know, the, the cherish it forever. Uh, Billy Madison doing it to the fat kid. You know, that's what you got to do to a bachelor party weekend. So I appreciate uh, you, the fact that you did that and you shouldn't have any regrets turning out of this game on that happened on Sunday. I don't think I'll be totally frank with you. I'm at, I'm, as I said, I'm at the tap house, so I can't really hear a lot of the audio. I can't get a little feel for what's going on. I do know that it seemed to come out of left field because uh, the announcer, I, I've seen the clips after the fact, got real fired up as the game was ending, as they're unwinding in the handshake line. Uh, but it, 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 I see both sides of it. I mean, look, Greg Gard has a reputation as kind of being a dickhead. So maybe maybe he was doing something like that. You remember going back to all the guys that hated him on his team last year. Uh, he seems to be a no-nonsense type guy, probably strict, maybe not the most fluffy of a person to be, be around, especially when that game was very close throughout most of the game. And then Wisconsin ran away with it towards the end. Obviously a huge game for Michigan as well. He's put together a little bit of a late run, but that may derail them for a little bit. Uh, and on the other in the other corner here, you got Juwan Howard, who's also kind of a prick. All right. I mean, I, I know everyone seems to like him, um, at least from his days at Miami um, as an assistant coach and you know where he's been in the past. But he did this exact same thing with Mark. Um, how the hell did I just forget this guy's name right there? Turgeon. Turgeon. Yeah, Turgeon. My, oh, my God. I was going to say Gottfried. Got, 
thinking about my bets later on too much right now. A little hint <laughs> for someone out there. Uh, but no, he did this with Turgeon last year. He started barking at him for no reason. And it's just sometimes new. The, the, I remember this comment. I think we all know a guy that's an I'll remember this type person, someone that's going to just give threats in almost unthreatening situations that are going to make you feel uncomfortable by saying things that are ratcheting it up to a different level. The fact of the matter is Jawan Howard then took it to that different level and striking the assistant coach. So I, I, I think if you're going to blame someone, it, I would put 99% of the blame on Jawan Howard. I don't think this is anything that is different than any sort of, uh, dispute or feud that would occur during a college basketball game. What made it different was John Howard's reaction. Of course, coaches are always going to be pissed off at each other. Coaches are always going to be barking at each other. Coaches are always going to stomp around and be angry. But at the end of the day, you should have a level of respect and, and kind of maturity to not do a reaction that you would expect to see, um, you know, late night in Savannah somewhere by someone doing that. I mean, that is just, it was so absurd that he would do that um, and, you know, we can you're probably going to want to talk about the, the consequences of it and whether or not the punishment was fair or not. Uh, but I, it's just you see it. And when you when you see something in your jaw drops as being like shocked that someone could actually do something so egregious. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's a slap. Right. So I get that, too. But you're a head coach of a premier institution. You, you got there for a reason. And one of those reasons is almost always maturity and leadership. And you failed both those horribly. Yeah, I wanted to discuss the timeout and also what was said, because whenever you see something like that at a bar or just live in your own home, you probably say to yourself, All right, something was something was said that crossed the line or something happened that crossed the line that we might need a, a, a zap rooter film to dissect something that was not shown to the blind eye that we need uh, some some real, real analysis on. And when it pretty much came out, maybe who, who knows, maybe more will come out of this. But what we know right now is that guard called a timeout and Juwan Howard said, I'll remember this. The timeout thing to me, it's giving me huge unwritten rules of baseball vibes, right? The timeout stuff, I don't know how people and coaches, especially it's the coaches that are the ones that get so upset about this. There have been a, a decent amount of occasions in the past 10 years or so where Coaches just get upset and pissed that they're being embarrassed because some guy calls a timeout at the end of the game. I I don't buy into that. I really don't. I I, I would say 85, 90% of the time an opposing coach calls a timeout. It's because he wants to talk to his team. It's because he wants to maybe strategize for the next game, right? We hear so many times coaches saying, hey, we play to the final whistle. And college coaches do that more than, than pro coaches, I would say. Pro coaches are more player friendly. They understand the situation, but college guys, they're the ones that are getting these players ready for the next level. They need to instill a level of discipline with them as well. So there's scenarios where if under 15 seconds, someone makes a boneheaded play, you call a timeout and you chew his ass out. Right. Uh, you, and I think this kind of even goes to the, well, I hate when someone dunks at the end of a game with time running out and the game's already over, they're on a breakaway or something like that. We saw that with, with Auburn, Arkansas. Uh, at the end of the game, Arkansas got a stop. They they outletted the ball and he dunked it. The lights went off. It was great. And I'm sure some Auburn fans were like, oh, I should have dribbled it out. Most of the time, it's, it's walk-ons trying to get a bucket. Obviously, that was a starter. But I think a lot of times when coaches genuinely do take timeouts under a minute with the game out of hand, it's teaching moments. It's, it's trying to make sure that they're focused, uh, the players are focused until the very last whistle because they know 
come tournament time, every single second counts. So I think, I think we college basketball and coaches need to stop with this. Oh, they disrespected me. I'll remember that. I'll remember that timeout. Oh, it's just, it's so lost on me uh, as it pertains to the altercation itself. I think this was escalated by that dumbass assistant coach on, on Wisconsin. I didn't necessarily like Greg guard uh, putting his hands on Juwan Howard, stopping him and saying, no, 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 address me. And I think that goes to your point about how he's this, this asshole and has this, he does have this reputation because I think Juwan Howard was just going to say his piece, do a quick little handshake, you know, not meaning it, and then keep walking. Greg Gard, though, he said, no, 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 hold on a second, hold on a second. Don't you disrespect me. I think a lot of times coaches need to just focus on, on their own teams. That's what's, that's the whole crux of this issue. But then, but then an assistant coach comes in and really that's when this all blew up because Juwan Howard hit the assistant coach and you could tell that a a flip was switched when this random assistant coach for Wisconsin came in and started escalating the situation. And I have to think Greg guards pissed at that guy. There's a level to defending your teammates, defending your players, things of that nature. But when it's a guy like a no name person coming in and putting, putting gasoline on the fire, that, that, that doesn't sit right with me. I need the major players uh, to, to be going at it. I don't need some random person coming in and saying, whoa, 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 you know, what are you doing? It's like, come on, man, sit, sit on the sidelines. So that actually also upset me. So, yeah, the, I mean, the assistant is actually could be a where am I guy for you right now, even though we know where he is. It's Joe Kravenhoft, which played for Wisconsin in the mid 2000s, uh, decent role player type guy, enforcer type guy, and certainly with, you know, still living the part years after the fact, because I'm with you, his, his, um, Take another kind of example of this guy that would be annoying would be the buddy that immediately jumps into a minor dispute and tries to make it into something bigger. You know, there's maybe two people barking at a bar and then this guy sees something happening from across the bar and comes barreling in and start knock someone over. And all of a sudden we got a brouhaha going on. That's kind of what he was doing. And you could see him yell up at Juwan Howard. So I'm not, of course he antagonized Juwan Howard. I, I completely agree. Uh, but Juwan Howard reacted in the way that he did was just way over the top and uh, worthy of a, a longer suspension than what he got. Now, when you take the aftermath, I'm, you know, touching on the, your comments about when is it okay to call that timeout unwritten rules? I, I, I kind of agree with you. If you were to say that this game involved two teams that were certainly going to be in the tournament, you know, let's say Michigan didn't have a horrible start to the year and they were, you know, trending towards a five seed and Wisconsin may be a five seed as well. I don't think there's going to be that level of upset right there. All right. Because, or if it's an even, you know, further on the spectrum where it's something, you know, they're calling a timeout to get, you know, another guy off the bench in the game that wouldn't otherwise play. I mean, of course, he's not going to be upset at that situation. Juwan Howard was upset because his team has underperformed because the expectations haven't been met. And because the writing was on the wall, they really needed to win that game if they wanted to play into the tournament. Yeah. And then because we know he would be upset, that reaction just goes to show the lack of a maturity that he had anyways. So, yeah. Krabenhoff, stay in your back row. No point in doing that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's Howard, man. Yeah, I agree. And let me let me marry the two ideas that we just talked about. And you're gonna have to stay marry with me. for yeah, marry it for me, please. Nuptials and everything, vows, the ring exchanges. But this is gonna be a little bit of a rabbit hole. You remember in American Pie, the head coach of the lacrosse team, Osweiler's lacrosse team, right? He would say something, 
And this no-name assistant coach would come in and just parrot him, literally say the exact same thing. Now, what you described with Juwan Howard was the culmination of a terrible season. I don't know why I'm remembering this, but I think the the head coach in the lacrosse team, when he was delivering that speech before Osweiler runs off to to sing with his girlfriend, he says, this is the culmination of your senior season. And then the assistant coach just says, culmination. For you seniors, this marks the culmination of the past four years. Culmination. So this is just a <laughs> rabbit hole. I, I want you to go find a mirror right now. Maybe sit on a couch and ask yourself, where am I? Because I, I'm with you on that reference, but that was for the, the culmination to bring you back to that reference. That's okay. I mean, if you wanted to do coaches that parrot everything that happens, you could get your boy Farmer Fran. We don't understand what he's saying, but he would bark up and just support whatever was being said by a coach anyways. That's another guy that we could put down there. But, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Also, check where you're at right now. I will. I might take a brief hiatus, throw in a, a transition here on the pod, but let's talk about the punishment. Now you had, you had alluded to that a little bit and a lot of people, we love the hot takes. The second it happens, we got one side saying, uh, Juwan's got to be fired. We got the other side saying, well, he didn't actually punch the guy. This shouldn't be too big of a deal. The actual punishment right now, it was a bit misleading when it came out. It said he was done for the regular season. So I think a lot of us just automatically thought based on Howard's actions that he was done until next season. That's how I interpreted it. Of course, you know, you're the lawyer, you're the one who can actually read the fine print. It says regular season, which is exactly what it is, right? I think there's five remaining in the regular season for Michigan, but he can come on forgets this. Everyone forgets that postseason doesn't just mean the NCAA tournament. It means the NIT, which Michigan will be in if they miss the NCAA tournament. So we can coach in that. What are your thoughts on the punishment? Absurd. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, one, it's it's misleading. It's saying rest, much like you said right there, rest of the regular season. I think Wetzel was the first guy to tweet it out. It says rest of the regular season. So that's probably coming from Michigan to make it seem like they're making this punishment more um, more intense than it really is. So that I took issue with. And then the fact that he's out for effectively – Two weeks, man. He's out for two weeks and be coaching the Big Ten tournament. Are you kidding me? Big Ten okay. conference play. I forgot yeah. or conference tournament. I forgot about that too. That's the postseason. It makes no sense. It's like suspending a baseball player in the 160th game, saying he's out for the year. I mean, you're just you're just trying to fool people by making the punishment seem of a higher magnitude than it really is. So, what do you I think it should have been? At least the the remainder of the year to include the postseason. At least. Um, I agree. With that. I, I'm frankly, I think he could be fired for it as well because what what is he bringing? What is he bringing to that? So I, I, maybe he could still be fired. I mean, I could see the uh, their AD firing. I mean, what, you want that being the representative of your kids? I mean, how easy that is that going to be? Recruit, be able to recruit for someone else? Well, I think then, a lot of I think a lot of some recruits are starting to think like, well, maybe Juwan Howard just had that one really good year with with Beeline's recruits, and now a couple of years into the program and credit the Providence crier. He's been saying that for quite some time. I, I, I am a Juwan Howard guy in terms of his coaching ability. This I, I didn't condone obviously, but I don't know if he should be fired. I disagree right. with you there. Fired's a bit extreme. I, if he actually threw and like a close fist punch and, and connected, I mean, the intent was maybe there who knows, but I agree with you that he should be done for the remainder of this year. First game. He should be back on the sidelines is next year. I would have fired him. And I think the close fists and we're not 
even after you see him smack Krabenhoff, you can see him ball his fist again. So like, it's like reverting back to the fist. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the video is the video. Um, he, he hasn't lived up to expectations. What were they, a top five team coming into the year? They get Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, who is an NBA player, to convince him to come back. He was the best player on the team last year. They got a senior guard coming in. They got a five-star recruit coming in, and they stuck, suck all year. So what else do they possibly need? Um, I, you're Michigan. Michigan, over the last 10 years, has really entrenched themselves as one of the best college basketball programs out there. You can go get another coach. And I, I think the reason why I have such an issue with the punishment is because you compare what is an assault. Okay, call it an assault. Call it a, a slap to the face. Call it a punch. Call it whatever that action was, a Howard, whatever you want to get. You saw that. It's on video. We all witnessed it. If we had done that to our bosses anywhere in the country, we would have been fired. And he's getting five games, and he's going to be able to coach, potentially to get them into the tournament. And you compare that to recruiting violation offenses that happens behind closed doors that we don't see. Bruce Pearl having a barbecue with Aaron Kraft. Bruce Pearl got a three-year show cause, and his reputation was completely ruined for upwards of 10 years. It's taken him 10 years to get back to where he was. All right, so I'm not saying, of course, there's accusations of Bruce Pearl lying. We only know that as being accusations. We don't know Bruce Pearl's side of the story for a lot of this. And by the way, nobody ever saw it. All right, so we don't know what happened. Rick Pitino, what what could have happened to him? He had to go over to Greece to rehabilitate his image. These guys will always be remembered for potentially being cheaters when in reality they're phenomenal head coaches. And the offenses that we've, we've uh, essentially, you know, marred them with are stuff that we ain't never even seen. You know, we didn't see it happen. And then you got Juwan Howard out here smacking a coach in the face and getting a, you know, go have a cup of coffee in the corner and we'll see you in two weeks. I mean, that, that to me, I would be pissed if I was Bruce Pearl. I would be pissed if I was one of those other coaches like a Mark Gottfried uh, when he was at Mississippi State or really anyone else uh, that has ever been in trouble and has had to be in a position where they're swimming against the stream for the rest of their career. Yeah. And well, uh, Howard may have to do that, too. I know that. But, I mean, he's not being forced to do it. Sure. And I've, I've, I was Gottfried Mississippi State or NC State? I think NC State, right? He wasn't. Uh, was he both? I know he was NC State. Yeah. Where so, I, look, if you've listened to us from day one, you know that we don't care about recruiting violations. I don't care about the FBI stuff, any of that nonsense. It's it's the Pat Forties of the world that that think those are the the worst people in the world. It's the Seth Greenbergs. It's the Jay Billises that think those are the the most egregious offenses that you can commit. So you know that here on Titch, we just genuinely don't care compared to anything. Right. And it, I, it, I'd even make the case that it doesn't necessarily hurt the kids, at least not physically. At least, I mean, who knows? This could have resulted in a ban for Michigan or, or, or something like that where, where the kids couldn't play. Now, we don't have that. I'm just saying that in that moment, you, you do those actions. I mean, if a kid did that, if a kid did that, right, he's probably done for the entire year, most likely. Right. And Juwan Howard probably showed the, the least, least amount of restraint on a basketball court filled with 18, 19 year old kids. So I'm, I'm with you on being upset about the punishment. I'm with you on some of these other coaches getting dragged through the mud for stuff that we haven't seen them do for not any physical altercation, right. That I personally don't think has, has hurt kids. As a matter of fact, I think it's, it's helped them in terms of the pocket money that they may have received. And you can make the argument, well, long-term that doesn't help blah, blah, blah. But that's getting too far into the weeds. I think we both agree that the punishment is is too lenient. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'd fire him, but 
it, it definitely was too lenient. Let's move on, though, a little bit, I guess, to another another sound clip that we heard from from Tom Izzo regarding this. And, of course, there's some proximity there with him being the Michigan State head coach and also in the Big Ten. Were you able to hear this audio from, from Izzo? So he was asked about the uh, the handshake. There are suggestions, silly as they may be, that we should do away with the handshake line now. Oh, my God. Have you heard that? Oh, my God, I have. And I do got to comment on that since that's not insulting to anybody. That, to me, would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when, when you know, you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids, if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on somebody who's kicked your but and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous. So if the president said it, I think he's full of it. If the best coach in America said it, I think that gets me way more than this incident. Not shaking hands. Um, that's typical of our country right now. You know, instead of solving the problem, let's make an excuse and let's see if we can uh, just Instead of confronting and demanding that it changes, let's have those problems. Let's 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 try to do that. That's that's perfect us right now. That's not perfect me. That's not happening here. So if some team doesn't want to shake hands, you're going to see 15 of my guys walk down and shake air. We're going to shake air, and I'm going to shake air, and then we're going to leave. So. Just a hilarious rant there from Izzo. First and foremost, I hate that he used the term class. I've tweeted this before. I just, it's so lame, but I suppose it, at his age and in this scenario, I suppose there's no, no other way to describe it. Uh, I don't know if you saw it either, Tom Izzo, at the very end when he says, when, well, if, 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 if they eliminate the handshake rule, what Michigan State's going to do is go down and just shake air, and he starts shaking air. He was very, very, he was moved to just shaking air in front of everyone. Izzo not thrilled. The only other thing that I would take away from this is who is seriously contemplating, who is seriously thrown out that we're going to remove the handshake line? That's not going to happen. I think I think that was just a, a, a fiery question to piss people off. That's one of those deals where, oh, should this happen as an instant reaction to, to, to a, a fight as a result of the handshake line? Handshake line's not going anywhere, guys. I'm sorry to say. But any reaction to that Izzo clip? I loved it. What a quote. Uh, it's hard not to agree with him. And I, I think one way you can always test whether or not, um, you know, let's take his scenario where what would it look like? What, what, what do you think when someone doesn't go up to shake someone else's hand? What's, they're a what's sore your loser. Yeah, they're a sore loser, right? So I, I they're a sore loser or they don't have the, uh, you know, a level of – maturity or mental toughness or whatever it may be to kind of face and confront their problems. Like Tom Izzo said, I mean, that's what I totally think. And that's what I felt like when I watched Juwan Howard lose his mind. Now I know I'm talking about one of the best basketball players, you know, to, to actually probably one of the best to be coaching right now, but certainly 
um, an elite player for, eh, I don't know about elite, but a good player for 20 years in the NBA. All right. So I know he's great. Um, but I, I, my, my opinions just changed. I mean, how many, is those right? When you can, you can be the smaller guy, you can get your ass beat, you can go out there. And if you're the guy that doesn't go shake someone else's hand, I would, I would feel worse about you than someone that can't hold his own in a fight or a competition or in somewhere that your bad, your metal gets tested in some capacity. I, I, I do agree that my opinion of him has changed. It hasn't done a complete 180, but the whole Tersian thing and then this, it's like you're not the only one, Juwan Howard. Certainly in the time span that you've been right. If you think about it, Juwan Howard's been a head coach at Michigan for three to four years. You don't think Tom Izzo's been through these verbal battles for, for as long as he has, you don't think Coach K, Roy Williams, any of those guys, and we never really, we've to my memory, we haven't seen them do this. They might have yelled at a coach, yelled at players, whatever you want. But, yeah, I mean, it's starting to become a bit of a trend. And the I, I, I accepted the apology. I thought it was, was well-written from Juwan. He actually may have spelled or misspelled Kravenhoff's name. <laughs> I think he called him Joel. Well, yeah, no, he called him Joel, which is kind <laughs> of a, and funny. He's also very late on it too. I mean, it took a, it took a while for him to get that apology out, at least over twenty four hours. When you do something wrong, you should be able to own up to it right away. But that was another problem with it. Right, good point, bringing that up. Well, but, that that might be on the proofreading team. I I doubt. I mean, I'm sure whoever published that might be more, in more trouble than than Juwan. That might have been an autocorrect sort of thing on his computer. I'm not going to blame him for that, but it was a nice little little Joe, touch there. Joe to Joel. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, why not? J J O E. You add an L. He he might know someone named Joel. I don't know. I don't think I don't think they're auto correcting from one of the most common American names to Joel. What about what about his relationship with Joel Prisbilla? Did Jawan Howard ever spend time in Portland? All right, let's move on now to a little bit of uh, more bad behavior in the college basketball world. You see James Booknight, current Charlotte Hornet guard. He was uh, at the UConn game. He's a former Husky. He got not. He got asked to move from his courtside seat, uh, and of course, this was over All Star Break weekend. So you see this a lot of times during All Star Break weekend is when NBA players aren't All Stars like James Booknight. They go back to their alma mater to rile up the crowd, and it's actually always great. I, I loved seeing Arizona guys there. Tennessee guys probably do it. Everyone does it. They go back to their alma mater, and so Booknight was asked to leave. Uh, from his seat against Xavier, and he ends up going to the student section. Just a terrible look, in my opinion, for book night, right? Uh, first of all, going to the student section, he just reminds me of the townie or, or the freshman in college that comes back to the senior party, and he just acts a fool, and like the seniors are, are like, why are you here dude? get out of my house? And then instead of getting out of the house, he just still continues to linger with some other people who are, who are looking for a friend at the party. You're talking about anyone specific. At this no, point not right me. Right. no, 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 no. I know. You know, I never did that. You know, I never did I that. Know. I don't that know if you don't know anyone that ever did that is what I'm getting at. Oh, that could be true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just generally, that was Stifler. Here's a second American yeah. pie reference. He was Stifler at the party. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on the James book night? Uh, scenario? Yeah. I, I think there's a difference between going to the student section first and, you know, being supportive of the fans. I mean, book night's probably the same age as all these kids. I mean, he was in the lottery pick at this point. He was not there too long. So he's, he, and he was, you know, getting them rocking early last year as well. So I don't blame him for that. It's the issue of, Hey, you did something to get ejected. <laughs> now you're just not leaving. The rules don't apply to you at this point. You know, there's the, there's the Bruce Pearl in the student section. 
And then, you know, which is cool to get people excited and, you know, he's, you know, being cooperative. And then there's just refusing to leave and making people uncomfortable. So, yeah, yeah, I I would agree with you on that. But I also think it's kind of a cool look. I mean, he's going showing his support for UConn. They need to get hot right now at this point. They got a they got a big one tonight as we're airing this against Villanova. But who knows? Yeah, just enjoy. I'm just saying enjoy your seat in the front row. You have money now. You're you're at your alma mater school in a big big East game. Just take it easy. There's no. What do you What do you have to do to get asked to move by the ref? Ref probably like why is James Booknight heckling me or whatever it was. We don't know exactly why he was asked to move, but I just thought that was a funny little scenario. Certainly not as egregious or serious as uh, what happened with Garden and Juwan Howard, but bad bad behavior in college basketball this past weekend that that we missed out on. Um, Let's move on to some more positive notes, though. Mike White in Florida, huge win over Auburn. You're a Mike White guy. I am not a Mike White guy. They're 17 and 10 right now. I don't think he's performed up to snuff with Florida because Florida is a very, very unique school when it comes to college basketball. And we always say this. If you give me a school, I'm able to tell you right away within a split second, that's a football school. That's a basketball school. Florida is a football school, but they have a rich tradition in college basketball built by Billy Donovan, multiple final fours, those back-to-back national titles. I don't think he's done enough at Florida as Billy Donovan's successor. And those are huge shoes to fill. But the question to you shark is, did this win specifically save Mike White's job for maybe another year? Because the murmurs are there. Yeah, I think so. And I think they're definitely going to be in the tournament now. I mean, they would he would have been fired if they didn't make the tournament. I think at this point, you got to put Florida in the tournament. They've gotten hot at the right point. They've always been good. They've had, they got talent on that team. Castleton's good. Appleby's good. DeRuji, Fleming, all these guys are good. It's a typical Florida team where all the guards, like Trey Mann in the past, all, the, all these guys can all shoot. They're all quick. They're all athletic. Um, and now you got Castleton working in there in the middle. And what, what's their record at right now? They're, I think they're seven and seven in the SEC with like a bunch of other teams. 17 um, and 10 overall. Yeah, which uh, Castleton was out for a stretch of games. So you, maybe that wouldn't have happened. I, I think they've always been good. I, White is going to stick around. Uh, I don't see them firing him, barring a epic collapse at the end of the year, because I think they're going to get in the tournament just like they did last year. They won a game in the tournament last year, and they may do it again next, this year. So I, I like Florida. I always have. And I, it's just a good test of how good the SEC is this year. They've certainly come along, and we'll get to another team that's trending the other way of Florida. But I, it should, it is worth noting they've won the Gators. Five of their last eight, they're hosting Arkansas as we record. Exact Tech Arena, not the easiest place to play in the SEC. They have Georgia and Vandy then after that, which should definitely be wins, despite the fact that I think Florida has shown that they're pretty terrible this year. But Georgia, Vandy, they're better than. I'm willing to admit that. And then they're home against Kentucky in the season finale. So you look at that stretch, right? Arkansas could definitely be a win. Georgia Vandy, I will say, is a win. And then Kentucky, last game of the year, senior night against your your rival at home. I could see them in the tournament as well if they rattle those off. The team that I was referencing that's moving down and that we've alluded to just a little bit earlier was Michigan State. They're three and five in their last state, so the complete opposite of Florida with a loss to Penn State. And then they're at Iowa, home to Purdue. Now you say, okay, that's home, but Purdue's a buzzsaw right? We can see Purdue beating anyone. Uh, And then at Michigan and Ohio State, those two games are road games. 
Ohio State stumbled a little bit. But if you look at the schedules and you look at the last eight games between Michigan State and Florida, is it insane to think that Florida's in while Michigan State is out? I don't think so. They may both be out. As, as you know, we're talking about this right now. Um, Michigan's gates getting blown out by Iowa at the half and on Tuesday night. So that's something else to consider. They can always come back, but that's something to factor in. Florida is also losing to Arkansas closely at the half as well. So these are two teams that, you know, they um, – I'm not going to call them bubble teams just yet because a lot of the bubble teams are, you know, when you actually pull them up, they're, they're pretty shitty um, about some of these people competing for last bubble. I, I think Michigan State should have enough, barring a, a, a big-time collapse at the end. Florida's probably got to win a couple more to play them themselves in. I've never really liked this Michigan State team all too much, though. I mean, they don't really have a go-to scorer. They, they kind of just share the ball well, play good defense, and, you know, hope for the best. They did have that comeback against Illinois, but that was probably driven by the home court early game on Saturday as well. So I, I think both teams I don't love. Um, I do think Florida is good enough, but – not one, neither one of these teams would be one I'm riding uh, too far in the tournament. Michigan State has had such a roller coaster year. Well, they started in the middle, I think. They're, I, I don't know what their preseason rank was, but they were quietly stacking up wins, got into the top 10 for a little bit, got booted from the top 10, even top 15, won maybe that, that Illinois game that you referenced, and now they've been on a, a terrible losing streak. Again, losing to Penn State, that should never happen. Now getting their doors blown off against Iowa. It, they're, they're trending in a terrible direction, and a lot of people overlook this part of the college basketball season, Shark, when certain sleeper teams, right, they're, they're bubble teams, and they just accelerate into, okay, they don't even have to do anything in the in their conference tournament. They finished with such a great kick the last six or seven games that they're firmly, firmly in no matter what happens in conference play. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Florida and Michigan State. Let's go now to some bets. And please, sir, I want some more. All right. Like I said, no Taylor. So uh, I'm going to try and pull up the records here for a little bit. Shark, you were hot last week, Father. You were hot three and a week with a couple outright wins Just uh, last for week. upset teams. Well, yeah, you've been, you've been on the heater. We're 10, we're 10 for the last two at this point. And what I, what I always said, even at the beginning of the year, I said it's going to be weekdays this time of the year. All right? And it's the same thing as last year. Even if I go on three tomorrow, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm still on the heater I said I would be. But you're right. Taylor, we can talk about Taylor's picks. No, that's fine. Well, first of all, I want to give an update on the standings or the records. There's no real standings between two people. But, uh, Shark, you're at 16 and 10 on the year. Taylor is at 16 and 11. I want to ask you, what do we do about the first game that you picked? Washington to cover Arizona. And it got, I, I think it got uh, so COVID I should be, canceled. So no, what do we do? Because what I, what I did and what you're not counting right here is I should be 17 and 10. Because I my replacement game was Tennessee versus Arizona. I tweeted it before the game. You can go look at the numbers. All right, that's out there. I said it's. Uh, I, uh, I I made some crazy points about why, how confident I was in this game. I was like, give give your kidney to someone. Type love how much I had. You remember that tweet? That's what I said. I love Tennessee. That was pretty much a pick them against Arizona. I should be seventeen to ten. 17 and 10. Okay. Well, we should deliberate about that. That might be a good group. I know chat what the answer is going to be. You're, you're going to deny it, but I'm just. I'm what if we make you. you pick a fourth just to get the records up? Well, no, but this would get us even. 
I just got it right. All right. All right. Let's, let's discuss. Maybe we'll put that to a vote. Twitter poll. That could be a Twitter poll. That's almost too complicated, the Twitter poll. At that point. Hey, should this have counted a long time ago? Should Twitter poll something else? Like this question that you want to ask at the end of the show. What's the best duo of all time? Ooh, yeah. Or most entertaining? We'll get to that. All right. Uh, Taylor's picks. Rutgers plus five and a half. Notre Dame minus four. Providence minus one and a half. Shark, who are some winners? I won't bear the lead. I'm, I'm with I'm with Taylor on Notre Dame again. I, didn't I tell you like in December that Notre Dame was good? Now they're the number two team in the ACC. Uh, even even this game, this got line opened up at three, and I'm seeing it at four. As well. I'll take the four with Taylor. But Notre Dame is playing Syracuse. Syracuse. I also love. They just don't have Jesse Edwards. Um, I don't I don't trust this guy that's replaced him. Not letting you get away with Syracuse. You, I know what's going to happen. You're going to say, I was right about Syracuse. If they, I, have, I, I won't do that tomorrow. I, I, I think Notre Dame should win. I think Notre Dame should win. I like Notre Dame better tomorrow. I think that line should be probably closer to six without Jesse Edwards. Um, so I'll, I'll take I'll take the four with Taylor on Notre Dame. Uh, the other one, I, I, I couldn't believe this spread when I saw it. I had one of those pick myself up off the floor. Give me a couple of minutes. Let me settle back in, make sure I'm looking at the right thing. One of those, I got glasses. They're fogged over. I got, let me unfog the glasses. Wake Forest is playing Clemson. Now I know this game is at Clemson, but I also know Clemson has lost seven straight games. They're probably going to fire their coach. Eventually one of their better players is hurt and Wake Forest is fighting their ass off on a bubble. Um, and Wake Forest, Forest is only favored by one point. So I love Wake Forest in that game against Clemson. And then my final one, I've been having a hard time with this. Um, you know, I'm just going back to kind of shark palm right here. What, I've seen both these teams play. They're both in the dead race of the SEC at this point. I know this game is in South Carolina. I just trust Mississippi State a little bit more. So so my pick is going to be Mississippi State minus two. Iverson Molinar is just going to be the best player on the court. Garrison Brooks is a veteran. Uh, I, I just trust them to win this game, even though South Carolina just had a big win against LSU. South Carolina's won three straight. Um, South Carolina is not bad at home, but they played earlier in the year. Mississippi State handled them. Uh, and I just would rather have a more veteran team in a situation like this where you got two average SEC teams that are still in the in the bubble. They're still in that bubble race, and this is a game you must win if you want to get in. Good Lord. South Carolina beat LSU. Is LSU – uh, in the tournament right now, I'd say right now they are. But yeah, one of I mean yeah. that is that is a team that has completely limped in the second half of the year, and I it is it is ripe for a blowout in the first game. Like they have no, they know that they're playing their worst basketball of the year. It, it, it's not like they can flip a switch on. I'm looking at whoever their opponent is as a winner. But okay, Notre Dame to cover Syracuse minus four. Uh, Wake Forest minus one against Clemson, Mississippi State minus two against South Carolina. Let's move on now to uh, a few quick segments and then we'll get on out of here. But in honor of today's date, we're recording, like I said, it's February 22nd, 2022. So, of course, when you write it out, two, 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 two. Palindrome. We're big on palindromes here. What we wanted to do was present to you uh, our favorite duos in in honor of this of this marvelous state. So again, I'll start with Taylor. He goes not shockingly, Mike Bibby and Miles Simon. Uh, I'm gonna go, and this was tough between these these two duos. I'm gonna go John Wall and Boogie Cousins 
from Kentucky. What a fun, electric pair those two were. Uh, lost to Bob Huggins in the Elite Eight, I believe, but that was the first Calipari year where just a shitload of talent was was in Lexington. But John Wall, one of the best high school mixtapes you'll ever see. Boogie Cousins was a villain everywhere that he went. I think uh, it might have been Mississippi State that had his cell phone, but th- those two were just amazing. And it's honestly a shame that that Kentucky team didn't even reach the Final Four. So John Wall and Boogie Cousins, in terms of the the duos and the teams that I've seen, gave me the most joy in watching them play. Who's your favorite duo, Shark? I got several listed right here, so I'm just going to go kind of on a tour of my my – uh, I guess, life. Growing up, I loved this team so much. And when I'm talking growing up, I'm talking like less than 10 years old. So this was the 1997 North Carolina basketball team. They had Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter, and they were so fucking cool, those guys. I love both those players. But actually, my favorite player on that team was Shimon Williams, a point guard. I uh, went on to play for the Celtics for a little bit. But I think Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter were, were both electric players in college. I really enjoyed them on that team. I was I was really quick on a guess – Jackie Manuel. That might have been a little bit before Jackie Manuel's yeah. time, but Jackie Manuel was a cool well, player. Well, Ed too. Cota was on that team too, but I mean that one. Uh, those those were the two players that jumped out to me. Taking it a couple years later, now team won the national championship. Two freshmen walked into Syracuse, New York. Carmelo Anthony, Jerry McNamara played very differently, but so complement each other perfectly. Now I know Hakeem Warwick was also on that team as well. So that's to me, I could be debated on this a little bit. Is this a duo or is it not? But I think you could probably do the same type thing with these other examples that you cited, but Jerry McNamara and Carmelo love those guys. When I watched them growing up now, taking it to my college days at this point, and I'm working my way up to my favorite duo, but college days, I remember this one vividly as well. Not going to expect this one also been referenced already in the show. Can I get a hint? Because I love guessing this type of stuff. Think about the Savannah Airport. Omar Samhan and Mickey McConnell. You picked the wrong one. See, this is another one where I think Matthew Delavadova. I picked Delhi, man. I picked Delhi. You know I had to get Samhan in there, though. But you're, you're right. I mean, McConnell actually scored more points than Delavadova. So, again, you have a good debate for me as to why that can't be included. But eventually, there's only one answer for me. It's always going to be Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. I love those guys. When I mean, Grant was always good. But when in days when he was getting double, triple team, Schofield would have games that just tore the roof off the place. If it wasn't for Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards in 2019, that team would have gone on to the Final Four. But I think that was a perfect college duo right there, Admiral and Grant. Yeah, I, I mean it- – Cannot argue with those picks. We have a game in our group chat. Some of the most appalling, unforeseen, terrible things you would do for a Grant Williams type player. Because Grant Williams was a perfect college basketball player. He's having a nice little re- career in the NBA. He's had a great year for the Celtics by his standards. But you think about college basketball players like a Jerry McNamara, like like a, a Grant Williams, like a TJ McConnell. You know, those guys are just perfect college basketball players and so what i want you to do theater goers is think about the the worst things you would do to have one of those guys on your team would it be stay up for 24 hours and then get on a flight home 
would it be getting your flight constantly pushed back and then having to show up with the door locked, right? What are some of the things that you would do? Think about the most grotesque human being that you know. Would you would you suck a fart from them? I don't know. Just start brainstorming for the for that type of stuff. And you know what? Who knows? You might get the perfect college basketball player. Another honorable mention I had with duos, Ameka Okafor and Ben Gordon. 04 Yukon Huskies, man. They were so much fun. And I don't know why I, I, I'm not one of those purists that says, oh, I like I like a nice, quiet, humble type of player. But those two exactly were that. Ameka Ogafor, you didn't hear a peep out of it. I'm pretty sure he won National Player of the Year. And then Ben Gordon was just such an unreal sharpshooter. He had he had the perfect early 2000s, mid-2000s maybe, uh, college basketball outfit, which was the really long sleeves underneath the Jersey and, and the shorts as well. That UConn team was, was a lot of fun. So I went honorable mention Emeka Okafor and Ben Gordon. I might've even been able to go with their opponent in the national championship game and Luke Schencher and Jared Jack that, uh, for Georgia tech. That was, that was like the odd couple. Oh, you could do right? other losers as well. Greg Oden and Mike Conley. I mean, that's another one for taking it further. There's tons out there. I think for yeah. the most part, the teams that have won, they're always just very good, well-rounded teams. Like these Vill- Villanova teams are always good. Baylor had three guards last year. Florida had that starting five that was there forever. I, you know, the UConn teams, when you got Shabazz on one and then Kemba for the other, I'm sure you can just plug in one of their other guys. I was just along for the ride on those teams. But, but see that, but see, that's the thing. Those guys that was more were one somebody, than anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You, you, the names we mentioned, like uh, uh, McNamara to, to Mello, right? Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield finally getting Tennessee, a number one ranked team in the entire country and getting the entire place buzzing, right? Miles Simon and Mike Bibby winning an at- the only national title for Arizona. Those guys were true duos that, you know, you, the defense really, really had to focus in on, right? I'm not, I'm not worried about Ryan Boatwright as opposed to Shabazz Napier. I hate to say it, okay? Although Probably Boatwright most- was a nice contributor. I know we cited some non-championship teams there, but probably the actual most talented one that was out there was Michael Beasley and Billy Walker. Remember them at Kansas State? Those guys just I did know, everything. I think I, you, I think you got it with Odin and Conley. Yeah, they got Ron are, Lewis, right? Ron Lewis wouldn't that. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't Odin for, Conley. Good. Yeah, I know. David Lighty there for 15 yeah. years. Yeah, that was a funny. That was a funny Ohio State team. So yeah, think about some of your favorite duos. Those are those are certainly ours. We're gonna get out of here now on hugs. Shark, any hugs out of you? Um, I mean, you're not. You don't have to have a hug. Yeah, no. Honestly, this just know I included in the show notes when I send it to you. Yeah, I, I didn't read those earlier. I'll give a hug to you, Father. It was a great weekend spending time with you. Um, got it all in front of us right now, all right? So remember, we're still sitting in this moment. The dawn, you know, there's there's optimism. There's a ton in front of us. we still got a lot of ball to watch. We've got a lot of other events to go to. Um, you know, it always sucks getting your life back on track after one of those weekends, but still got a lot ahead, ahead of us right now. The, the worst is going to be – well, actually, it's not even going to be that bad. I think our last wedding is – October or maybe November. October. It's in October. Okay. So that's definitely going to be the worst because that's probably the only the only thing we have to look forward to at that point is Thanksgiving. Right. And so who knows? Maybe another life event will happen. But for now, we're living in the moment. It's almost as if we just finished, I would say, selection Sunday. Okay. We just saw selection Sunday. Maybe we saw 
the uh, Big Ten title game in, in the conference tournaments, all that good stuff. We have so much to look forward to. And from a strictly basketball perspective, it is upcoming. I do want to get you back to your Vols game. Uh, but quick hug. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this hug. But again, more bad behavior in college basketball, this time on the women's side. Associate head coach of women's basketball team at Nebraska, Chuck Love. Okay. Associate head coach Chuck Love was suspended with pay Saturday night. Nebraska announced it was due to a personal matter. The team also removed starting guard Ashley Scoggin from the roster the same day. Head coach Amy Williams will not confirm why or if those decisions are connected. Now, of course, we're just essentially we're just speculating here, but the scuttlebutt is there's some sort of affair between a coach and a player. We've seen that somewhat recently in the SEC, and I say somewhat because it's loosely connected. Brian Harson and a former Boise State cheerleader who's now at Auburn. But guys, clean it up. You you, you can't you can't have an affair with a player that's pretty well known. But it's it, I, I got to say, as callous as this sounds, if you're gonna do it, Chuck Love, Chuck Love is is a pretty fitting name. <laughs> Chuck Love's tough. So hug for you, Chuck Love. And we'll get out of here on this. One last hug to Mike Surrett. Mike Surrett, a couple weeks ago before the DePaul game, Providence, uh, he is the Providence crier. Providence played DePaul. I asked him for some audio Then we were supposed to play last week, but my connection was terrible. I'm going to go ahead and play this audio right now. He basically did a sidewalk interview with a bunch of hyenas in Providence. It was terrific, terrific content. So we appreciate him for doing that. He's going to get his shine here and we'll catch you next time here on theater and college hoops.
fucking dudes, baby. Let's go. Let's go. We're fucking friars, baby. Let's go. Let's go. No problem, man. Thank you, sir.